Hello and welcome into the SoRare Data Strategy Show. I'm Andrew Laird. You can find me as Lairdinho on SoRare, joined as always by Sean Newsham, who you can find as PSU fans too. This week we are talking about preparing for America and Asia competitions. I was going to say this summer, but they start in like two weeks. America kind of has already been going on thanks to Liga MX and Argentina's back this week. We have some CONCACAF Champions League. Sean, how excited are you to get a lot of cards back in play. <laughs> yeah, it's we're just talking about it. My strongest area is my Asian and American teams. So getting them back in play is pretty important for me personally. Like that's so why I had such a good summer last year because I have the best cards in the region um, compared to to Europe, where I just don't. I was actually looking through it this week, and and I don't have the most elite cards there, but in in America, I definitely do. Yeah, that's certainly the the upper parts of my gallery are all America. I have some decent Asia cards, but not not what I have in America. So being able to have these guys, particularly an All Star, back is just it. It's been so long, even though it's been like a month and a half basically since the MLS like playoffs ended and all that stuff. But uh, thank you to everybody who has joined us in the uh, chat for the uh, watching us live here. We've got a whole bunch of people here: Bob Flynn, Josh Forth, John Adams. Philip McTaggart, I think that's new, Football Economist. Terry, I like the Misaki was early, and uh, Looking for Food is a hilarious um, little YouTube name there. But thank you to everyone joining. Um, we, Like I said, we're going to talk about America and Asia in a little bit, but Sean brought up this topic to me this morning. He was like, wait, here's something else I want to just talk about. And it came up because of a reward you got this week where you were like, I don't know what this, you know, this one seems okay, and like you dug in further, and you're like, "Oh, this one's actually pretty good." And your legitimate question was like, "When was the or how many times have you like seen a reward and you were like immediately happy about it?" And to be honest, Sean, I had to look back. Like none of them like came to mind, and there were basically like two or three instances. I'll even call them two and a half, where I was like immediately happy. And it was less because I was happy that they were awesome cards. And it was actually because I wanted to buy them. And I just like hadn't either hadn't gotten around to buying them or I, they were just too expensive. And I like happened to win them. It was like one of those situations where it was like, maybe I can win one of these cards one day. And I like actually won one. And like, that's why I was happy with the rewards. Yeah. So who were they? What, what were the ones that you can, I have four, I have four that wow. I, I looked through my list. So the first one was Georgie Mihalovic, who I won last year. And I remember uh, talking with Black before the MLS season last year. And he was like, I think Mihalovic is underpriced. Like he's U23 for a while. He's good. He's like good. He's probably on set pieces for Montreal. And I'm like, no, you're right. And I just like kept putting off buying him. And then he started playing well. And it was like, ugh. And eventually I just got like priced out of it. And I don't even remember where I finished, but I like finished somewhere that like, there was no thought of me that I was like gonna win Mihalovic and it like popped up and I was like, oh, sweet. All right, yeah, I'll take that. But uh, so the other two, one was Christian Burgess, who was like a tier three reward. He's a center back for um, Royal Union, uh, in, who's like tops of the Jupiler League. I actually bought an Anthony Morris and I was like, I'm just gonna buy Burgess to like get the defensive stack and I just like wasn't doing it. And then literally the next week I won him and I was like, Oh, awesome. I have since uh, sold both of them though. <laughs> but, and the other one was uh Casper Shabilko who we were just talking about is probably dead for this season, but 
Shibilko was a card I wanted to buy. I had like numerous friends who bought him and early in the season last year, he crushed. Like there were some Champions League matches. I remember he scored a brace against Atlanta and I was just like, I can't believe I don't have this guy. And so I bought one and like a week or two later, I won one. And I was like, all right, like <laughs> I went... Two weeks ago, I would have been really excited about this card, but I actually wasted money now to, to win it. But uh, those were like the three that looking through my gallery were ones I was actually happy about. Yeah, I said it's, it's kind of funny, too, because like I, I've won divisions, you've won divisions, and it's not those cards. Those are not the cards that we've been because there's only there's realistically if you win a division, there's like one card you're happy with. So and if you don't get it. You're not happy. I'm glad you brought that up because like I was looking like I won Carlos Heel for finishing first in all-star it was all-star d4 back then all-star rare and it was like i remember winning winning and i was like i i think it was zora was like tweeted like congratulations on your Neymar," and i'm like I, like rewards hadn't even come out yet so nobody knew and it, but then it was like i could win Neymar. he's right like oh my god and then you open up carlos heel who was like the best card in america but like i thought of i was thinking of the best cards on the platform and so, like, it was awful. Like, I actually feel disappointed about winning Carlos Heel. But, it, like, at the time, I was just like, oh, okay. And, like, I've, he's obviously been an awesome card to have. But, like, when expectations are so high when you finish first and then you don't get, like, the highest one, um, whatever. It's com- yeah. like, I realize how absurd it sounds. <laughs> like, complaining. No, but it's, that, it's but. true. I, so I looked through. So, yeah, like, so I've won a, actually, one of the, st- one of the ones of mine, I actually was, I finished first and I got the card I wanted, um, which is good. You're going to laugh at because, like, it wasn't a card that should have been, like, super exciting to be first, but it was. And I was, I wanted that card. So, um, yeah, but it's true. Like, so I won Lewandowski. I was, like, not ecstatic about it because, like, I could have won. Mbappe, I could have won Holland, and I really wanted to sell the card to to generate some ETH. And then mm-hmm. Lewandowski's just not really a card I can sell because he's just so much better than every other forward in Champ yeah. Europe, and I have major holes there, so I had no choice but to keep it. And it's a great card, like obviously I love. I'm I'm so happy I won mm-hmm. it, but it was I opened and I was like, eh, whatever. <laughs> like I was just like I was like, come on, Mbappe or Holland, and then didn't get it. But the four for me, and I'll go from front to back. So. I won Glebov super rare this week, which is like way better than I even envisioned. Uh, I wasn't as familiar with him as as I should have been because Russia, I just generally stay away from to some degree, but I'm trying to get more involvement there because there are some good U23s there. Yeah, there are. Um, like Kangwell that we talked about uh, previous weeks. But Glebov is a DM that takes sets that has two years additional of U23 already placed for his national team. What more can you want from someone? Um, right. And I didn't even win him as a U23 card. It was a Challenger Europe card. And, like, looking at him, like, he's legit. Like, I can plug him in almost every week and play him, and I'm very excited about it. Um, so I, that that was first one. Second one is I won uh, Kosi Tani as a, like, mid to low level tier two super mm-hmm. rare in, I think, U23, I think it was U23. But I was looking at him like, why am I getting this as a low to mid-end tier two? I mean, now, I mean, Tanny's rare. Tanny's rare is selling for more than his super rare did at the time I won it, I think. I think the super rare probably was like one ETH at the time right. I won it. Now his rare is close to one ETH. But I I, mean, I knew that card was going to go up. So I was like, this is fantastic. Um, 
But Glebov was a was a tier two also, wasn't he? Glebov was a tier Glebov. two also. Yeah. So like I got like a legit playable tier two that's like legit really good in U23 as a tier two. I'm like ecstatic about it. Um and then I the third one is I finished first in Challenger Europe, either D3 or D4, don't remember. And I got um Gravenberch. And at the time, I really wanted to buy a Gravenberch. He was worth like one to one and a half Ether. I really wanted one because like I view him as like the long-term midfielder that is sustainable, that can be really good in champ Europe as well, and like can turn into a Kimmich type of player. Like not saying he's going to be Kimmich or anything. And like they're not exactly the same build, but he's the guy that I viewed as like someone like that. So I won that as a stat. Yeah, Josh, that was part of why I'm also happy with Glebov. Like Rossov's fighting relegation. But I'm not really worried about him getting relegated with them if it happens. So I was. I knew like, Josh would would know him immediately. Yep, <laughs> of course. And then the fourth uh, card was I won a low end tier three. I think it was in like global. Like I finished like 350th or something in like global four, and I got a Cade Cal, who at the time was it, like I won it and it was worth like 2.25 because it was a forward card and it was back in the day like when he was starting. Yeah. And I I really wanted that card. I was like. That's a fantastic reward. So those are funny. I actually, here's a funny story. Um, it could be one of my most expensive cards too. I was pissed when I won Anthony. <laughs> I won Anthony. You were. I remember I that. I won Anthony Super Rare uh, for winning U23 D2. And it was a T1. But like the other T1s, I had a really big midfield hole. It Like I needed like a Kaku or like a Gravenberg Super Rare or something like that. And I really had my hopes set on that. Or like like Carlson, I think, was like even mm-hmm. in the tier one at that time. So like there were great tier one super rares. And at the time, it was when Anthony was not starting yeah. every single game. And he was like rotating in and out. And uh, yeah, I was pissed. I won Anthony. I was like dejected because I was so, – I looked at it as like I really need a start a elite level forward or – depressed but now arguably he's probably one of my top five definitely top 10 most valuable cards like i don't think i have a non-unique that's worth more than him i would say let me it rem- it reminded me when nellis won kaku and he was like he wasn't like disappointed uh let me rephrase he was he wasn't upset but he was just like oh okay like he's pretty good i actually went back he gave himself a hard time on a recent podcast about like how dejected he was when he won it. And mm-hmm. I went back and I was like, was he really at that? And he was like, this guy's okay. Uh, it's all right. And I remember he like immediately tried to sell it and there were like no biters. And now the dude is like a top three U23 midfield. Exactly. It's 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 interesting because it really does happen. And I'm looking, so non-uniques, Lewandowski's probably three and a half. I'm pretty sure Anthony's worth more than that right now. So I have like Gonzalez. Uh, yeah, super rare. Super rare Anthony's got to be worth yeah. more than a, a Lewandowski rare. So I have Gonzalez super rare, Vonikin super rare, Anthony super rare, and Gravenberch and Gill. I'm pretty sure Anthony's worth more than all of them. Probably. So I think I think he's my most valuable non-unique card. Yeah, there's no way Anthony's rare is selling for like 1.7. There's no way his, his super rare is under like five or six. Yeah. Yep. So, so I legit like I don't think there's. I think the only cards I own that are worth more than an Anthony Super Rare is maybe Matsuoka unique, 
Hatanak unique, Takuaka unique. Those are probably yeah, basically the yeah, uniques. Yeah, they're definitely uniques, definitely not rares. I I'm not getting Mike Tresor. <laughs> uh, Josh, I actually think I have bought the cheapest Trezor super rare so far because I had Pires buy it for me at night because it was at like 3 a.m. So I bought it for me and paid him like 10% to buy it so I didn't have to wake up. Um, so, sleeping fee. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I Here's a question. Would you pay $100 to not have to wake up at 3 a.m. and possibly not get a card? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, Pires, here, I'll give you like 10% of whatever I pay. Here, enjoy so he was happy to do that. But uh, yeah, I Trezor, I I watching this game the other day where he subbed at halftime. If Trezor's in that role he was in yesterday and he like starts there next year, he's gonna be an absolute smasher. Because Dude, Trezor and Ugo is what I was like hoping for this season, and then it didn't happen. And I was like, oh, I'll just have to wait. That's fine. I can deal with it next year. I have I have I think I have like nine gank super rares now. <laughs> I have like nine. Surely games. you should be winning games or tickets to a game somewhere. Uh, yeah. If they ever have like some, like how many points can you get from gank players in your gallery? Like I got to produce pretty well. I mean, there's I, enough talk of like trying to start achievement, achievement things that, yeah, you'll fit right in on that one. Yeah. I don't, I can't deal with any of the rewards conversations anymore. I, I reached out to them the other day because I'm just, Things just don't make sense. I, I don't care about if if there should be more cards being given out, if there should be less cards given out, if there should be this amount on this week, blah, blah. I, I don't care about any of that stuff. To me, when I want something that makes sense, yeah. you and I and, and everyone else, most people, obviously some people just can't grasp anything, so like that won't happen. But like you and I should be able to sit here and be like, this is what the rewards are this week. This is what they are probably going to look like next week. So, for example, last weekend, there was, let's say, 80 teams playing, mm -hmm. and there were 20 D2 U23 cards given out. This weekend, there's an additional 15 or so teams playing, and there's only 16 D2 U23 cards out. And every single region this weekend is giving out more cards comparatively to last weekend except for u23 yeah u23 wow. looks like it was broken this week it doesn't make sense and, and yeah. i don't like i don't i'm not saying like give me more rewards give me more rewards i want more rewards i want to understand what the deal is why why is it going down like i don't understand I would like how... more rewards. what i would like more rewards well yes i would love, <laughs> to love more rewards I'm, I, won't, I won't fight about that but i just want to understand like i don't for example, Asia and America start next weekend. Is global going to go down? Are we going to have less cards given out in global? Because like, like th that should be laughable, right? Like I just said that and you laughed at me, right? But if I tell you next week that it actually happened, you would believe it, right? Uh, America's not really back next week. Correct. I I'm talking well, next yes, week. Yes, I know what you're I know what you're saying. And I don't think we're going to see an increase as much as we think we should. No, and, and that's the thing. Is like I don't really care. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess... Uh, MLS is the following weekend. Yeah, yeah. this week it's Concacaf Champions League. Yeah. yeah, even so, like Asia this upcoming weekend is is I don't know if Korea is playing. I, I assume Korea is playing, but I'm not positive. But like Japan plays this weekend. We have 20 yeah. teams that are playing that we're not playing this weekend. They're not being a significant amount more rewards this upcoming weekend compared to this weekend does not make sense to me. Mm -hmm. But the fact that I literally could tell you that you would laugh at me. Okay, so J Korea is back. So you have 32 teams next weekend that are playing that are not playing this weekend so rewards should increase 
a good amount due to that coming up. Yep. But the fact that I will say like, all right, Laird, rewards are going to la- drop by 20% next week. You're going to laugh at me, but then you're also going to be like, yeah, that's actually possible. That doesn't make sense to me. So my main issue with rewards is I want a understandable view on how it works. I want to be able to understand on a week to week basis what to expect. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, so like I, I got a response about um, something with like sometimes they give rewards for less games. You should like in a midweek, like last midweek, like I won a reward, like that Glebov I won was with a really mediocre score. It was not a good score. People should have something to aspire for in short weeks as well. Like they should still be able to win a card. Like, yeah, you're not, you're not gonna be able to win as many cards, but like I should still be able to win something of value in a midweek where there's less games. And and that's fine if that comes off of the top end of like a big week. Like if you remove, let's say three to 5% of your rewards that you were going to give on a big game week to give it on a small game week, that's fine. I'm not arguing that. I just want to understand a week to week comparison, be able to be like, all right, there's going to be less rewards this week than there is next week because there's more teams this week. That's all I'm asking for. I want to be able to understand how rewards are distributed. And the fact that literally not a single person on the platform, and this probably also includes the people that work for the platform, understand it. And that's that's an issue for me. Yeah, I think the difficulty is that, like you said, it just doesn't make sense. Like it, we would understand if rewards were too high one week. Yeah. But it's almost like, not that they need to tell us like, hey, we bumped the prizes this week because we felt like it. Correct. But it the difficulty is that we look at the bump in prizes and we're like, oh, okay. So here's the new normal. And then we go back to like the actual normal and we're like, wait, why is it so much lower? And it really only takes them to be like, oh, we, we're bumping this week. Don't think this is normal. Correct. Or we're going to do it every so often. Like they told us previously and obviously never ended up implementing it, that they were going to like, you know, reward people who, you know, throw some extra tier threes to people who didn't necessarily, you know, who came under the the minimum for what you need. And it was like, all right, but like, if this was the actual solution, like, oh, we're just going to reward more, then tell us that so that we're not expecting that to be the correct distribution. And then when it goes back to being smaller, we're like, why is it smaller? Correct. And if you tell us certain things, like, uh, if you tell us there's not enough of a data point for certain people, and that's why there's less cards this week, fine. I can understand that. I just want, if I asked, for example, there's, let's say, 20 people that have posted in chat today. If I asked every single 20 of those people to give me an explanation on how rewards work, not a single one could do it. And that that doesn't make sense to me. Um, yeah, that's fair. It just, it's, it's just a situation that needs addressed. And yeah, like, I'm fine if you're like, well, we're going to give out, there's Champions League this week. It hasn't been around for three months. We're going to give out a bit more cards than we normally would, and then it'll drop back. Fine. That's fine. That's a perfectly understandable and realistic reason. Or like, hey, Asian American cards, we gave out too many, which I think a lot of the issue too was last year at the beginning of the season, they gave out too many yeah. cards, which is which I get. Um, because you if you remember, like they were giving out like 60 cards in tier in D2. Yeah. And, and like every every region was like that. Um, so like if they are if they came out and said to me today, Hey, Sean, we gave out too many cards last year in the beginning of America and Asia seasons that we did not have the amount that we should have right now to give cards out. That's why the stuff is low. 
I get that. Yep. I can wrap my head around that. I can be like, all right, hey, that makes sense. When new cards come out, that will reset the cycle and will be something like that. I have no idea if that's the case or not. Like, I mean, I'm pretty certain that that was the case in terms of America, but they knew that issue going into Europe. So, like, why is Europe fluctuating that much? It, it just, yeah. I would like some clarity on that stuff. Yeah. No, I think I think it's reasonable, and I think the only reason why it's reasonable for us to ask that is that they've told us they're going to be transparent about it. Correct. And so, once you sort of promise transparency, like people are going to need it. And we just don't have it yet. And like, I almost feel like if they had never said that, we would have been like, all right, we, we just, the rewards come out and we're like, okay, that's what they are this week. I mean, you and I have this DFS background. We don't know what the reward, like what contests are going right. to be before they come out. I, and they come out and we're like, okay, that's what we're playing. I, I will say I don't agree with that fully. I think if they needed to be transparent, they need to be transparent about this. If they came out and rewards for a full game week were 100% and then the next week they were 50% of that, that would still be like something I would be like, that does not make sense. It makes literal no sense. So I think it's something they have to be transparent about and something, whether they said they were going to be transparent or not about it, they needed to be transparent or, or they needed to, they don't need to be transparent. It just needs to make some sense. Right. It needs to be logical. It can't be something that just makes what like, you're just sitting there like, what is this? That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's, Talk about Asian America. Obviously, there was this volume run up. We've seen MLS prices just skyrocket. Although your uh, one ETH Ferreira seems to be getting closer to half an ETH Ferreira, but I think people story. are just doing that because they like you better than me. Is my, <laughs> my stance on that? Which I mean, understandably so. Like I get why people would like you more than me. So I have I have I no that. horse in that race in terms of what Ferreira's value should be. I don't have him. I'm not looking to buy him. So. Uh, I mean, if he gets cheaper and cheaper, then certainly you have to consider it. But that's what not. What do you buy him? Because I have a number that I'm pretty sure you would buy him at. Um, I think if he got to 0.5, I'd probably buy him. That was the number I was going to say. I'm pretty sure if he was at 0.5, you would buy him. If you yeah. got to 0.5, I'd probably buy three or four of them, to be honest. I was just about to say, I, I, the only reason I wouldn't buy him is because you snapped up all the, the all of them there. But I, the, I think the... No, there are probably more than enough people who bought below that. But like anybody who bought at 0.8 is not going to sell at 0.5 at the beginning yeah. of the season. So um, I will say that we have pumped uh, Jesus Ferreira quite a bit on this podcast. And there seems to be a slight misunderstanding in terms of why we like him. And there's a very big difference. And I feel like we were clear about this, but apparently not. But we think he is an excellent summer U23 forward option because yeah. there are just not that many of them. Correct. That doesn't mean we think he's like the best forward in the America division. And so there are people who are like, and multiple people have like contacted me like, this is what I have for America for this summer. What do you think about it? Where can I improve? And there's always like some spots and they're like, you know, I don't really love my Ford. Maybe I'll go get Ferreira. And it's like, all right, well, do you have like U23 guys set up for the summer? And they're like, yeah, I have a defender. And I'm, and I'm like, do you have a goalie? And they're like, no. And I'm like, are you going to buy a U23 goalie? And they're like, no. And it's like, well, don't buy Ferreira. Like for, you're, you're paying like a significant premium for a guy who is eligible in U23 and will be used by people who are playing U23. But you don't need to pay that premium if you're just playing America or just playing All-Star because you don't get any extra points just because he's young. 
In fact, you're losing points because you're not buying guys who are better scorers and cost either the same or less. Like if you're just playing America, you're base you're comparing Ferreira and Johnny Russell because they're yeah. basically the same price. Russell is a significantly better scorer. He's older, but you can play him in two of three, you know, two competitions. Yeah, Josh Ford. There you go. Go and buy Johnny Russell then, you maniacs. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying everybody should go out and buy Johnny Russell. I don't have Johnny Russell, but like they're basically this Russell and now Ferreira are around the same price. And if you are not using Ferreira in U23, then you're you you're com- they are competing against each other. And simply like Russell scores more and Russell's older. So if you're one of these people like, oh, I'll have Ferreira for 10 years. Like, just don't think that way. Like, please, like I, I, the platform is around for three years. Planning for 10 years from now of utility just seems crazy to me. And once Ferreira is not U23 eligible, his value like just plummets, like legitimately plummets. Like he's good. Yes. But he is not like a top tier player. In, in just all-star and America during the summer. He is. that That's not – he is. He's good enough. He average, his, his L40 is 57.2, which is within five points of any forward. Like, like Russell's four points better. Like, it's not like it's a, a drastic gap that is absurd. That said, I agree with that this opinion. Um, the reason we like Ferreira, and it's still – and this is like – so in our opinion – as of today, and this has changed actually over the course of the weeks. So like three weeks ago, when I think we had the original Ferrer discussion, it was um, Alvarez at 1.5, Ferreira at one, and Tati at 0. 0.6. I yeah. think there was a legitimate reason to buy every single one of those guys at those prices. And there wasn't a significant gap outside of Ferreira, I think is just the most consistent with less questions. Now, however, Alvarez is 1.8, Tati is 0.7, and Alvarez is 0.8. Alvarez Ferreira is yeah, Ferreira, sorry. Ferreira is a much better buy from a U23 perspective than he was even two weeks ago. Like I would not pay 0.7 right now. For I was gonna say if you liked him at point at 1.0, you're gonna love him at 0.7. Exactly. Like, so I think Ferreira is an even better buy than when we when we touted him the other week. But from your perspective, I agree. You don't need to be paying the U23 um, sort of tax to get him. Now, that said, if you look at like Johnny Russell, Gustavo Bo, guys like that, it's only, let's say, a 25% difference up to Ferreira. So I don't think it's out of the question to go by him, but it's not like a no-brainer. I have a forward in America here. This can be the PSU pump of the week that I think is a, is a great buy. Um, I think right it's going to be the same guy I'm about to say as well. What is the the first initial of the, the first name? S. No, but I like him too. I know. <laughs> um, so the pump of the week for me, it's actually, I have two of them. And they're <laughs> I love that we've now called this the pump of the week. <laughs> I, I told you it's going to be the PSU pump of the week. Every week I'm going to have someone we're going to pump up. And it's always going to be someone I own that I'm not looking to sell. So like you guys can actually like take my um, point with validity. So I think that there's not tons of good options in America below like everyone's 0.6. There's a big uh, cluster of people that are within the same range that it makes sense. Like, I think that these guys make sense. The two people that I think make a lot of sense that could be really, really good this year. And you're going to agree with the people I say, Raul Ruiz Diaz and Jordan Morris. 
the Seattle team on paper is so far better than everyone else in the MLS. Like they are significantly better than the MLS. If you look back to two years ago, before Jordan Morris left Seattle, his stat lines were very, very good. And he had a very, very strong all around game as well. Obviously it's completely murky. Like you see this, these are really strong scores a lot of the time. Now these guys aren't exactly the best per se players. Like, yeah, like Johnny Russell might be better or like Hulk might be better, but I think they're really good options that are at 0.4. So like the difference from like 0.4 to up to like 0.6 is, is a decent amount. Mm-hmm. Um, so who's yours? Cause I know who you're going to t- say too. And I agree. They're going to be really good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Dan Bab has a in chat. Yeah. Sebastian Druitzi, who is with Austin, like, he doesn't have any MLS cards yet. He came in last season from Zenit. Um, he's a former River guy. Like, I, he's going to be – I think he's, like, if he was fully minted, like, I think his price right now, the low was, like, 0.6 of what somebody's asking for, which I think is reasonable. But, yeah, I think I think he's going to crush this year. And there's just a – I mean, obviously, the – the supply of his cards is going to go up um, when the new ones come out. But right now there are just not that many of them. And he scores just as well as any of these guys around him. And yeah, I just think there are plenty of like, there are guys like that. The, the funny thing about Seattle is that we've long said that MLS doesn't really have a stackable team that we have. The MLS has really good players that you can use as like one offs, but like you're not going to do a five man stack of Seattle of, any MLS team, Seattle, I think is breaking that now that you could definitely do, you know, like uh, Fry, Gomez, Andrade, any one of their midfielders, like you could do Rusnak and Jao Paulo and then Rui Diaz or Morris. Like there are, there are a lot of combinations you can do. And I think that that could absolutely be just a, this easy stack of the season. Yeah. I think that they're like, I mean, on paper, they're just far better than everyone else. Like you said, like, so the thing is, is like, Neymar is no, no black. No. We're not, we're, Lodero's not the I one. I didn't mention Lodero. Yeah, of course. That's the least one I would own. He can still smash. That's just the least one I would own. But um, Yaimar, the reason you can say this is because Yaimar is really good. Really he good. Was really good. Like, he generates a lot of stats. And then Rusnak, I think like you get two of Rusnak, uh, Roldan. I think well, Roldan, I was going to say Roldan even fits. Roldan's yeah. really good. And Joao Paulo. I think you get like two of them and then one of the Morris uh, Diaz option. You have a really strong stack because like if I look on paper, the only team that comes close to them, in my opinion, offensively is is New England and New England's remainder of their attacking options and like midfield and wings are not near as good as this. This is like really, really good compared to the rest of the MLS teams, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm not even sure you really want five revs, though. I, I agree. I, well, actually, I don't know. Well, I, the issue is, is you don't want to go buy a Matt Turner right now if you have one. Right. And I don't think Knighton's going to be the replacement. Like, I'm pretty sure Edwards. Bring someone or Edwards. Like, I think they'll bring someone. Um, but I will say Farrell's actually really good. Uh, Farrell's pretty solid. Yeah. And Kessler's, Kessler's solid. And then, like, midfield, it's Gill. There's an, you have to have Gill. There's no one else. It's and not then Tommy McNamara. <laughs> your, your stack, your stack realistically has to be, like, Bucks of Bo, Gill, Farrell, Turner. Yep. That's like, it. And that's the problem. Like Seattle, you can do like six, seven, eight different options of their their team. Whereas like New England's like pretty straightforward. And then you factor in the fact that like 
Bucks would rotate out for Bo, and then Bo would rotate out for Bucks. Although they do look to be running, they seem to have stopped that. Yeah, and and we'll have both of them in it this year, so I think it's less um, concerning. And I actually think they, I was actually so like last year, and this is this is honestly part of the reason I am probably at, am at where I am on the floor or on the platform because I had a really really good six month stretch and it really like solidified my thoughts on the on the platform, but. Going into last year, I thought Gil was the best player in the MLS. While other people were thinking it was like Lodero and Vela and other people, I thought Gil was clear best player in the league to me. And then also, I thought Adam Buxa was the most underpriced player in the league and was like a stud waiting to just get fed goals by Gil. So like I had Gil rare, super rare, and I had Buxa two rares and a super rare. So and and Buxa I think finished second in the league in scoring last year despite missing a significant amount of the season. So. Um, but yeah, we should go position by position. I think that's the way to, to go through the show. So midfielders, like what is your is. obviously we know the elite level midfielders in America. And and what we will end up talking a lot about MLS, but in general, uh, we're gonna talk about America here uh, realistically. So like what is your thoughts on the midfield um position in Americas? So I think if not that if like price doesn't matter, but if you are, if you're just like, let me go get the best guy. Like it's Carlos Hill, like, and it's not remotely close. Like the separation between him and everyone else is absurd. And so after that, there are like question marks about a bunch of guys. Like, I think like Rusnak ranks second here on the sheet. Like I have Rusnak, so I'm like incredibly biased about it. But you and I were talking about this the other day his range of outcomes is much higher with Seattle than it is with RSL. And the reason that's the case is because he did everything for Salt Lake and he doesn't have to do everything for Seattle. We don't know if he's going to take all set pieces like he did, but they're also like Seattle should also score a lot more. So like his upside is higher, but his downside is also lower just because we don't know. I don't think it's going to be low. Like he's not going to turn into like a 35 point score, but it's possible that like if Chao Paulo takes set pieces, they still think that Ladero's corpse can take some, then he'll do some, you know, like it just takes away from Moosnock. So then you look at guys like, I think Jack Price is still awesome. You and I have said this for weeks, but like Keaton Parks is like the most underpriced player on the platform for this region. He's coming back from an injury, but like he's, we looked, you sent me a picture the other day where he's got Maxi Morales like coming up to his thigh. But I think he's like up there. I really like Mihalovic, who I'll admit that I have. But it just seems like Gill is at the top, but like that second tier is full. Like there are a lot of guys you can pick. And so I'm not sure there's like anyone specifically you have to go, um, go get. And, and I didn't mention Mukhtar who's like first on the list. Cause I think he just I, so overperformed last year that I can't see it happening. Again. Yeah. So, all right. So we had the PSU pump of the week, PSU sell of the week. I would be moving Hani Mukhtar off of my team immediately. Um, and, and like, I don't think he's bad. This isn't saying he's bad, but like Mukhtar is not, a massive all-around guy compared to some of these other people. He is very dependent on decisives. So if I look at like last season, like just scrolling through, he had a 20 all-around once, twice in like the entire season. That's it. Every other game was like 10, 11. Like his all-around game is just not there. He's basically a forward that scored a lot. I do not see how he uh, does what he did last year. In my opinion, like he could, he could, but like, I, that's just a guy I would not have on my gallery right now. Like, for example, like I would take Jack Price over, 
Jack Price is my midfield pump of the week. He, I actually prefer him over um, a lot of those forwards that we just talked about. But Jack Price, I would take over Mukhtar in a second without even questioning it. Yep. Like if you told me, like, I get one of these two cards, I would just take you. And I can't sell it. I would just take Jack Price. Yeah, um, I, I completely agree. I mean, you can get Price uh, for, like, three quarters of the price of Mukhtar. Yeah, it, it, it makes no sense to me. Yeah, there's a lot of good options. Um, I think that there are a lot of question marks. Someone that we talked about, that we, you and I both agree with, we both really would want this guy, but we just are um, a little bit gun-shy about going and getting him. And that is... Emmanuel Reynoso because of his pistol. I, I have him. Yeah, but like realistically speaking, like hypothetically, let's say his super rare hit the market today for 1.2. I really want that card. I'm pretty sure you really want that card, but I don't think I can go buy him right now with all the uncertainty surrounding him. Like he is so uncertain to me right now that it is very scary. Yeah, I agree with you on on ring also, John. Ring ring solid. Ring just sort of lacks some upside, and that's and, um, that's my problem with ring is the upside. Yeah, so like that's that's my issue with 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 ring. But I think that ring and Keaton Parks, for example, are very similar players. I would rather get Keaton Parks for around the same price due to Keaton Parks being uh, a lot younger. Yeah, absolutely. But there's Heck a lot of still has a few months I, of I've noticed great. that, like, in America, like, there's good forwards in each league, effectively. A lot of the mids are better in MLS. But also a lot of the defenders are better in the other league. That's sort of what I've realized. Like, I, I was talking to Black the other day, and uh, he's talking about moving some of his America exposure into, like, Brazil and Argentina to get defenders. And I, I think it makes a lot of sense, which we'll talk about next. But, yeah, yeah. the thing is, is Gil is far and away better than everyone else. If you don't have Gill in the summer and he's healthy, it's just not fun every week because it wasn't even like he was just smashing up hundreds. It was that like there was just no failure. And like that's the type of guy that like if there's no like if his failure is 65, are you really killing him with whoever you're playing anyways? Right. Yeah. No, I agree. I'll say that the the non-MLS America leagues continue to be underpriced and that's yeah. not to say that like the Minero guys are cheap they're probably overpriced and river plates expensive yeah but everyone else is much cheaper yeah and so i think and there's also just like such a focus on mls in that region that there is like pretty significant edge when it comes to either the south american teams or mexico that um mexico tends not to be as high scoring so if you find your goalie and defenders there like I think that makes total sense, but there are, there are like definite knowledge edges when it comes to South America that I think people aren't necessarily taking advantage of, uh, and they can easily compete with these MLS guys. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. Black, Black, he actually is looking to go at, uh, Mexico instead of, um, the other regions, but yeah, so we can move into the defenders. So I mean, Andy's I, just trying to get every Lozano on the platform. Yeah, right? exactly. Black, Black, when they had uh, like Santos had like midweek. Black had like eight American lineups. Well, no one else could run a single one. But like, none of the cards are good. The hundred ninety five point podium. Yeah, like normal weeks, he's just like SOL can't do anything. But it was it was pretty funny. Yeah, like I mean, there are. This is this is another thing we've talked about. So people, I think, make a lot of mistakes in general on the platform in the fact that they do not, um, they don't go out there. 
people want to buy the flashy players, but the players that really get the job done for you are the defenders. Yep. Like, because they are so consistent and generally put up such good scores that they should be in your lineup. So, like, looking at um, defenders, I know that this one, so is Kierdos. He's older. He's 33. But his L40 is 62. He has been under 40 one time in the last year. That's wild. Like, that's the type of card that, like, helps you win weeks. Because, like, realistically speaking, like, what you want, in my opinion, to, to get up near podiums and, like, have good results, you want, like, two or three guys that are just going to – they're going to get you, like, 60 to 70. Like, you've – and if they have a bad week, you're going to get, like, 50 to 60 out of them. And then you have that one person that goes out and rips 100 off that week. Which, sure. they're the same players. So, like, you just want as many of these type of guys as you can get. And if you get, like, a guy like Izquierdo or – um I mean, we talked about Yaimar. Yaimar is a bit expensive because he's at 0.6, but like Yaimar's L40 is 58. He's a 20, he's 29, so he's still a decent age. And his L40 is 58. This is as much as some of these other guys. Like we look, um, Walker Zimmerman's like almost an eight. That's wild. To me. It's wild. Um, and so like this person, this person has been worse, and because they made a transfer, but like Angulo, Angulo's like yeah. 0.29. He's a U23 defender for the next three or four months and even when he's not he's one of the best why is this guy 0.29 when you're talking about like these other guys like he scored as well as like Mukhtar and Mukhtar is like 0.66 and Mukhtar is like a 28 year old decisive dependent midfielder mm -hmm. it just like I think people spend their their um their load too much on flashy players and if you just sit there and you look at random defenders that score pretty well you're gonna end up coming out with a good option someone mentioned in here leandro morales morales's l40 is 57 he's 30 so he's not ancient and you can get him for like 0.25 his l5 is 61 l15 64 l40 is 57 he has played um every game the last dnp he had was in game week 184 which was july of 2021 so the last like six months of the season, he played every single game. And that was his uh, guys like this are what really get you the job done because yeah. you get enough guys like this that are cheap. One, it gives you options. Let's say you buy five guys exactly like that. Like you buy five guys for one to 1.5 ETH that are all elite level players. It helps you fill out your America lineup, helps you fill out your global lineup, helps you play matchups so you can prioritize your most important lineups. And then you can go buy elsewhere. Like, obviously, like, yeah, one 1.5 ETH might not be in everyone's budget, but we're just giving options of people that are like this. Like, there are people that are um, a lot cheaper than that. Like, Lawless Abubakar is 27. He is 0.13. He's really strong. He actually has great correlation with Jack Price, too. Um, they combined on, like, three set-piece goals last year. So, like, there's just people that you can go find that are really strong players that are at least – Andrew Farrell, like we talked about Farrell. Farrell's pretty strong. He's a good option. There are just people out there that you can go – your your guy, DeBossi, from Minnesota. Like, is the guy the best player of all time? No, but he's a 52L40, and he is, like, 0.05. If you buy 10 guys at 0.05, it lets you fill out your America – your global, your D4, your D3 gives you options of who has the best matchup on a given week. It's it's just so much utility that you get out of it. So like I would much rather buy like 10 guys at point one 
than like one guy at one in the event that like you're trying to build up a gallery and, and make things happen from that perspective. Yeah. No, I mean, just kind of look what we were saying. If you look at this list, the num this is, so this is the champion America, like top defenders by L15. There's like three MLS guys in the top 15. And one of which is Graham Zusi. One of which is yeah, Graham Zusi. Yeah. Like just go elsewhere and find the guys that, you know, some people are overlooking because they're just, I mean, there's your, there's a uh, Yaimar, but I don't know. There, there's nothing like sexy about buying defenders. Like that was sort of the thing that I was looking into. Cause like my own America teams, I'm like, Oh, I need some defenders. And you look at MLS and you're like, there's just nobody here that I want. Like, I'm not going to overpay for Walker Zimmerman, but yeah. like, I don't know. I, I still, I, I actually had one at one point, but I sold him, I think. Um, and his prices, I would definitely not own him at 0.8. Right. I would definitely sell him at 0.8. Yeah, Mon asked about Barco. I Barco's a guy I never would have owned to begin with. Um, I just don't think he's that great, and he's very decisive dependent as well. Um, so I would have sold him probably. Well, actually, I don't know. His super work compared to other people that score his range at U23 level is not strong. The river move should be terrible, but could also be great. Because there's a lot of midfield depth there. I know Laird's been talking about Discord. There's like eight guys that can too play much, teams in the too much depth. Field. It's going to be a uh, yeah. lineup nightmare. It's going to be a disaster if you have them. But like, if Barco somehow is like locked in starter, never misses a game for River Plate, the move's fantastic. I just find that hard to believe due to other options. Yeah, I've I've been like a Barco hater from day one though. So I'm yeah, like, so I. like I always thought that Almiron and uh, Joseph Martinez were the reasons that Barco did anything. Like he was there for like the tap in goals or like the, the last touch before one of them did something special. And, but I was, I mean, he had some good games last year, but uh, I know Quinny is probably just like shaking his head at all the Barco hate, but no, that's, that's sorry. my exact same thoughts. Uh, so here's another price that is interesting. Um, Slonina is like low offers too. <laughs> Low offers too. How ridiculous is that? Ugh. So, like, I mean, yeah. Let's talk about the. Um, by the way, my dog just vomited on the floor. Right? I can see. I know that's like that's like second time in like two months. So I'm gonna have to go clean that up. I'll let it's you go about this forward. discussion. We'll, I guess. We'll, let, we'll let her finish vomiting <laughs> as before I go. Uh, so yeah, goalies in America, in my opinion, prices are significant right now. Um, we are seeing what we. I didn't know if we would see it again. Last year when like Jimmy Maurer was like an ETH, I didn't know if we would see this type of pricing in in America anymore. But like Matt Turner's 0. 0.7, uh Sean Johnson's 0. 0.7, um Martin Pace is point Martin Pace actually could be a good buy. If he's gonna be the starter, he's a good buy. I just am not certain on that. Like Augustine Rossi is 1.1 and Everson is one. Like I wouldn't touch those guys uh right now. Um, but like, yeah, like Joe Willis, I think Joe Willis is one of the better goalie options in America. He's at like 0.48. He's, he's been like underpriced all off season. He has been. And, and part of it's because of his age. Uh, but he's someone that I think is, is valid. And then there's others. Like, I think you can get some goalies in America. Like Andre Blake is 0.87. Like th there's just, some of the goalies have really priced up. So I'll let you talk about goalie and I shall return. It's I just think we you have to go back to the whole not that like goalies don't matter but to spend so much on such a highly variant position like you can you can make the arguments that like somebody is a good goalkeeper 
but it doesn't matter because it all depends on like how the team does. And so like, if you think Martin Vandevoort is like a really good goalkeeper, like skill wise, he's really good, but the guy averages like 33 points a game. So it's like, it doesn't, you need to separate the real life from the SO5. And I think that when like looking at this list of like, who should I buy? You just want somebody that starts like, that's how you that like begin there and just be like, will this team be better? MLS is, is so wonky every season that like, you need to like, there's so much uh, turnover basically in playoff teams that like a team that could be, t- that is terrible one year could turn around and be great. I'm assuming everyone who buys Slonina is thinking that's what's happening with Chicago, but like DC United had like awful injuries in their defense last year. Bill Hamid is 0.4 and like, they should be fine. Tyler Miller is 0.36. And, you know, I'm assuming that that's not higher because people are worried that Dane St. Clair could, could start like that's maybe a little tougher, but like, it just seems like all of these guys are too, like the, the separation between the top and I don't even want to call like Miller or Hamid the bottom, but like the separation to the top is too big. Like the goalie prices, particularly in MLS, like shouldn't be this wide. And Slonina makes some sense because he's U23. And if you want to price up Thomas Hazel for the same reason, like I get that. But I think there's, there's too much. And I think Josh said in chat earlier, there's like too much ageism. And when it comes to goalkeepers, I mean, some of these guys play forever. And so you're like, I don't want to buy this guy because he's like 31. Like we, they're, Brad Guzan is still playing at these 37, 38, whatever it is. Stefan Fry, whose prices are actually going up a little bit. But like there are, there are guys who will play for one season, two seasons. Like Guzan, and there's Tim Mealy on the chart there. Like he's cheap. If the expectation is that you um, only have them for this year, that's still okay, I think. And and I know like everyone's like, oh, I want to like the number of people who like buy a player and keep him and play him for f- three seasons has never happened. Like Sora is not old enough for that. And so when we think like, oh, I'm going to have this guy for four years, like I just think there's no reason to think that way. And yeah, Eloy Room. John uh, brought it up. Like, I think he's underpriced too. And like, I think Columbus is like the classic MLS team that was like terrible last year. And if they all turned it around, we would have been like, oh yeah, like they're a good team. That's fine. And if room, you can get room below 0.4 now, like he could be a top 10 MLS goalkeeper this year. So like, why are you spending double for guys like Blake and Sean Johnson? Yeah, I agree with that. I actually think, and so here's another thing with Americas in America in general that I think people don't understand and it's kind of counterintuitive to those other stuff. For four months of the year, three months of the year, we have very few goalies. So you need to have, like, let's like I play in America and Asia, I play D1s through D4s in Asia, America, and global. So hypothetically speaking, I need like nine goalies a week at the rare to super rare level at minimum and then more. So like realistically speaking, like over the summer, I realistically need, oh, and U23, and U23. Realistically speaking, I need like 15 goalies from America and Asia. 
that's a lot of goalies. Like in Europe, like I do have quite a few goalies in Europe too, but like I could get through with Europe having like six goalies in Challenger, six in Champ, some in uh, elsewhere. Like I could just have a lot of spread in terms of like where my goalies are going to be. But like America and Asia is the only thing going on. So like you're talking like, let's say there's like, 20, 25 goalies in America that are like locked in starters that you're pretty convinced are, are going to be starters for me. Like everyone's different. Like everyone, a lot of people aren't playing that amount of rosters, but like you play, you play yourself D four, D three, uh, in all of those regions, you need probably 10 goalies from, from that perspective, realistically, like, yes, you might not own 10, but like you realistically need 10. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And I think, I'm going to sort of, I'm not hedging, but I'm going to counter a little bit of what I said previously of like guys like in the 0.4 range room and Fry and Guzan. Like I think there is a reason to pay their prices because you know, they're starters. And I think there there are enough people who are like, Oh, maybe if I try, you know, let me buy uh Westberg or, or Bono. And like, hopefully I get that right in the, in that situation. Like, I don't think whatever the, like those guys are cheaper because we don't know what their situations are. So I think there is value in spending for what we know. And we know with a lot of the older guys that they're going to start, like, you know, Brad Guzan is going to start. I don't have them, but like, um, like Guzan and Melia were the first two goalies I ever bought on the platform. And I was like, I, I just want guys I know that are going to start. Mine were Sean Johnson and Hamid for the same reasons. Uh, same reason they were they were as when I came on. Oh, and they the still are. One, the other one was Diop, but I mean, I have him too. But I mean, he's now back. He was actually really good because the way they played, that he had a great all round score. Yeah. Um. So it's a situation. But yeah, like right now, like if I'm coming in and I'm looking for goalies in America, I'm looking at Willis. I'm looking at Stuver. I'm looking yeah. at Hamid. I think Hamid's a really good one to get. Um. Gillespie, by the way, is down like 20% from where I sold him out effectively. And, and Eloy Room. Like, those are like the three or four goalies I would realistically be going and looking to acquire um, in America. Non U23 option sure. would be those guys. Yeah. I just like Carlos Miguel Cornell is 0.85 average, low price is 0.9. I'm just not sure what you're getting. Like, everyone's like, well, he's good. He's got a good all around. They should be better. I'm just not sure you're getting more out of him than literally buying two Eloy rooms. That's the point. It, it, it talk, we're talking about utility. Like anyone with a smaller gallery, every player you additionally add, you're adding utility. Like you maybe like you add, for example, let's say you have Cornell or you have two, not even two Eloy rooms. Cause I wouldn't buy two rooms. I would buy like a room and a me. Right? Sure. Sure. But like, I can almost guarantee you if you gave me the, Room and Hamid versus Cornell over the season, I would always have the better score, like long term between those two. If I put their like took the best score of the two of them each week, would be better than what Cornell does over the course of the season. But not only that, like if you have Cornell, you're playing one one lineup. If you have Hamid and Room, you're playing two lineups. That's huge. That's huge from a utility standpoint. Not to mention, um, you can pick and choose matchups. Not to mention MLS has a lot of weird game weeks where there's like six games on a 
Yeah, it's not going to be as much this year, though. They took out a lot of the midweek games. Yeah, but I feel like they they come in as as the season goes. Like they move games around to like those dates and stuff. I mean, given all the COVID correct uh, postponements we've seen, who knows? But yeah, no idea. But so yeah, I think that's good for America. Let's go over to Asia, your favorite region. I actually have a take in Asia in general that like. People complain about DNPs in Asia, and I, I think there are less DNPs in Japan that I see on my lineups than there are in other regions. Um, because I, if you are playing the people that you are comfortable with, they are going to generally be pretty strong and play most every game. And I think that that is something um, of valid. But like, yeah, if I'm looking at like, Matus Rare, his low ask right now is one. But that that's not that's not realistic. But um, yeah, like if you look at like the top of the Asian market in terms of like L40, Cecenia is so far above everyone else, like so far above everyone else. And then DeMeo is second. And I do think they're clear too, but the person I think is a really good buy, there's two people, one of which has more risks and I maybe would avoid for that reason. But for me, I prefer to go into Japan than Korea because Korea has a lot more, oh, hey, this person randomly left for military service or stuff like that. And I I'm not interested. I had goalies in Japan last year were pretty stable. Like even when like Oki got benched, he got benched and like didn't come back in. Korea was like, this guy played, then this guy played, then this guy played, then back to this guy. And it was like, I'm, I'm good on that. Um, but person I think is a really good option is Lars Veldwick. He's significantly cheaper than all the other options um, in Asia and he scores really, really solidly. And he played every game last year. His last DNP was week 152, which was in April. That was his last DNP. One game where he did not start. And that was 166. I'm pretty sure every other guy had another game where he didn't start, but like he is like locked in starter. His age is not bad. Um, And he was someone that was valid. And then another person I think is could be really good. Yuma Suzuki before he went to St. Truden, smashed. Uh, I could see that, John, about Velduk wanting to leave. I, I could definitely see that. But in, in theory, Velduk could go to a improved team. But that could be a, a reason why you would have been effectively um, avoid that situation. And that will come into the discussion we're going to have. And we talked about, you saw me before. There is not tons of elite level forwards in Asia. Um, it's it's really lacking. Like once you get... So, Cecenia obviously is elite, but once you get past like Cecenia and then DeMeo, there's not tons of people that average over like 55 yeah. uh, in L40, which is is a hit. And therefore, like having a Cecenia is really valuable because when they're playing, there's just not much else that's producing there. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think you nailed it. Like, do you find yourself for All-Star wanting to focus on Asia more than America? Um, a lot of the time, yes, because a lot of the defenders in Asia are really, really strong um when asia goes and like i really need asia to come back because like even this week like you and i were talking about it and people talk about uh like if you have a big gallery you can do whatever it's not true if you have a really big gallery if you have like a 1500 eth gallery yeah i imagine i can do whatever i had a lot of holes this week that were big holes that could have been filled and i think i have a bigger gallery than most people and like you you and i were talking like you had holes you had to fill that you just the thing is you can't that's the that's an interesting thing with the platform though is like you never get to a spot where you're like all right I'm done I'm good it's always like man I could really improve this like I had a situation like this weekend where I have some major holes in 
global in some of my division threes, which I try to never um, do. Yeah. So Philip, I would, if Matus, if his average was actually like 0.35, like if you could get one for 0.35, which maybe you could, his last sale was 0.43. He would be the person I would tout here. Um, Matus, I do think improves this year and his age is fantastic. And he's already produced in Asia in general. Um, he and his all around scores are really strong. So like he would be the guy I would definitely talk up if you can get it around 0.4 to 0.45. But um, I really need Asia back because I need guys like, so for example, like I have Eduardo Super Rare. I could use that in my D3 gas lineup. I have a Cecenia Rare. I could use that in my D3 gas lineup. Um, I A lot of these guys I could run in D3 gas that are good, are really good options that I could run there. So like I really need... Asia and America running really helps my global all-star lineups because I have a lot stronger options. Like I have Carlos Gill that I don't really want to run him in America tons. Um, similarly with like all the Asian guys, like I don't want to run a Hatanaka in Asia. I want to run him generally in right. global all-star. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense for sure. Yeah. I, I think the, the DNP, complaints about Asia are more about the cards that people have bought than it is about the actual number of DNPs. Like I think you can, and this sounds weird. I think you can buy yourself out of DNPs, whether yeah. it's with like not, you know, research or with uh, ETH, but like there are enough guys on this list who play all the time that if there, you do get a DNP, it's like, well, it happens every so often. And I, obviously, I think people kind of overestimate how many DNPs they get because, like, you get, you know, two with two in 10 lineups and you're like, oh, I got DNPs everywhere. And it's like, well, you don't you don't have them everywhere. And I think it's just like circumstantial how many you get in Asia. And I think it, there's just for us uh, in the U.S. and for a lot of Europeans, like, I think just the the language barrier is enough that you're just like, well, I, you know, if somebody was suspended, but you didn't look it up then that's an edge for people who are willing to do that research, not necessarily learning Japanese or Korean, but, um, you know, there are ways to figure that out. And so um, it's just, yeah, you just have to work a little harder, but the prices are cheaper. And well, for not everybody, obviously you're not going to get Cecenia cheap, but you know, if you can find the guys who play a lot, then I think you're, you're fine. I think, yeah. The, the, so looking for food just said that the DMP complaint Asia is lack of info. I don't think it's lack of info. I think it's lack of effort. Yeah. Um, I, I think, think you see the same thing in South America, though. Yep. It's the same thing in any region. Like, it's the same thing with people that play Donnarumma. It's it's the same thing. Like, I will give the example, like, DeMeo last year. At the beginning of the year when they had a lot of congestion, every single game that Frontel played, DeMeo started. Then the next game, he sat. They had that rotation, like, all throughout the beginning, like, four months of the season. So, like, people would, like... DeMeo would come off like a 95 and then they would play again the next week or midweek and people would play DeMeo and he would, or he would start on the bench and people would be yeah. like, Oh, I mean, he just had a big game. Like why? It's like, they've ran the same rotation over and over again. It's very consistent. The fact that you aren't acknowledging that is you missing things. Sure. Um, I, I think that Suzuki probably affects uh, Ueda more, but it, actually the person that might be affected most is Everaldo. Um, Everaldo might not be a, locked in starter for the season. But the nice thing about America and Asia too is so Asia and America, like neither forward situation, either region is the best. America's better than Asia, but neither is the best. Um, American mids are really good. Asia mids are generally weak. 
Um, the Asian mids are generally not as good. And then similarly, like America or MLS defenders are not as good, but the, uh, the Asian defenders are really good. But like, I mean, looking through the midfielder list, like we, we've talked about him before, Osmar. The guy is 33. He plays center back. He plays every single game. He takes penalties. His He just plows in 50, 60, 60, 70s type scores every single week. He's 0.17. Like you probably yeah. get him for less than 0.17. So like this is a guy that you can play every single week without worry and just run him. If he doesn't play and has a DNP, just don't play him until he plays again. Wait till he starts a game. Then once he starts a game, then play him again. It's just, it's just not hard to do that. But like, midfielders, like I really think Osmar is a good look. Um, and I think that Japan and Asia in general is a place where you can get um, – you can just play it a lot cheaper than you can play. Uh, you can play Asia. You can get a team in Asia and America that legit can compete for one to one point five ETH. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot do that during the European season. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, that's what a, I think. Literally, people, the beauty of All Star right there is that you can yeah. use your Japanese or Korean stack, or it doesn't even have to be a stack, but those players that cost significantly less. And they can outscore some of the European ones. Yeah, looking for food. His mid is a really good card, though. But I agree, his defenders probably really would be an elite level card if he gets moved to mid. But yeah, like just looking through um, midfielders, like yeah, their mids aren't the best. But like you have like if Yunbit Graham starts again, like oh, one three three, the dude. Please do. Yeah, he's a smasher. Like you have Sergi Samper. He's point one three seven. Assuming he doesn't leave, which I mean, right now the European window is closed. He he won't leave until the summer, probably at least. He's a smasher. Um, you have like Osmar, who we just talked about, smasher. Like you you have uh, you have Shinjun Ho, who's a smasher. Now I'm not saying by all these guys, but like I haven't looked up all the information on all of these guys to tell you whether or not they're locked in, whether or not they're leaving, whether or not. Um, there's issues with them, but there's just some really good options at midfield that is really, um, really cheap. Yeah. Like, so Jin Ho just made captain of his team. L 40s average 58 and a half. Yep. He has two DNPs in his last 40, uh, no three. He has three DNPs in the last like year and a half. Um, they were weird. I will say they were weird DNPs, but like the guy has a just fantastic all around and it just, it's a really good card. Like this guy is not much worse than guys that are like, this is like, he's basically a better version of Hani Mukhtar. Well, he's 0.2. Hani Mukhtar's 0.66. Why would you buy Hani Mukhtar over a guy like this? It's stuff. I, I think people that don't go into Japan or Korea and don't go into Asia in general are really missing out on opportunities that are there for them to be taken. Particularly for all-star. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Completely agree with that. And then, I mean, defenders, like, we know who the elite defenders are. I will try to keep it relatively quick here. But, like, Kikuchi. Kikuchi. But, like, Kikuchi smashes. They're just some smashers. Like, you have Kikuchi, Hatanaka, Yamani. Like, these guys just absolutely eat. I think Eduardo's a great buy. I think Eduardo could be, like, a 70 average type player from Marinos. Although, they play a different style than they did previously. Um, But he could smash there because he did what he did on uh, Sagantosu, which is a much worse team than what Marinos is playing midweek utility. He takes some sets. Like he could take some set pieces and and like, I saw him score a goal off a set piece last year. It was a great free kick. Yeah. Um, but like there are, Morocco, some, wasn't it? What's up? 
It was a rocket, that free kick goal that he just bombed. It was, yeah. it was a really good free kick goal. But like you have guys like this, for some reason, Tiago Martins is still showing in Asia. I don't know why. Because he is showing on in America on Sower or on Sower. Hmm. So that's weird that he's showing. Um, but like I, I actually saw rumors the other day of Tony Sunjik. He absolutely destroys. There was rumors he's going back to uh Japan, I believe. Or no. He's in China. Yeah, I think there's rumors that Sunjik was moving to Japan instead of uh China. He's in China. He's a smasher. Like he's an absolute smasher. He's 0.19. Um I think someone that's really good is Morishigi from uh FC Tokyo. Mm-hmm. He's older, he's 34, but dude's L40 is 57. He plays every game. The only games he like didn't play was off the red card, effectively. Um this is not like the best team in, in the region either. And he has some great all around score games and some really strong games as well. So like you can get this guy for 0.1. This guy, if you like throw this, if you get like five guys like this guy and throw them in over the summer, you're going to spend like 0.8. You're going to recoup all of that via like thresholds, much less you're going to win some cards. Cause like these guys are legit decent players that can put. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Oh, John Jitch. Okay. You're right. It was John just that I, I did confuse them. John just going to Cerezo, not Sunjic. Still look like um, fine scores. Yeah. So, like, I think that there is definitely opportunities. And then goalkeepers in Asia, I think, right now is very similar to that of um, to that of America. Takawaka is like an E. But, I, I mean, I do – I think he's the best goalie in the summer. From what we saw from him last year, I think overall he is the best goalie in the summer. Um but like you're looking at probably 0.4. It looks like right now 0.4 is the like goalie floor, but like you could get um generally older goalies for around 0.4, but like you can get like Park Ilgu, who's probably worse because Eduardo left. Um but like yeah, looking at Asia, like I think you're looking at 0.4-ish is generally gonna be the cheapest you can get. I think someone that's good is Gonda. Uh, get you international utility. He's around 0.6. I think S Paul should be better this year um, as well. So there are just some options that you can find in Asia. The only thing with Asian goalies is they're generally quite old. Yeah. Um, But they play forever. They do typically play significantly deep into their career as well. So that is very accurate. Yeah. I think 37 is different than 33, but 33 is. Yeah. And, and, like, you look, like, that. that's, again, why I say Takawak is the best goalie in Asia. Like, all the goalies in Asia, except for the couple U23 goalies, are, like, 34, 35. Takawak is 25. 25, and he yeah. was the best goalie in the region last summer. Um, with no real signs of the fact that he would be worse, other than the fact that it's just goalie and it's so high variance. But yeah. the thing with Takawaka is he had a really good all-around uh, score last year. Like, if you look at the last four games of Takawaka's season his average all around was like 12 which is pretty strong and he had he had some 20 to 15 to 20 point all around games quite a bit like his aa score is really really strong um in general and if you look through like the last like 30 games of takawaka he had one game with a negative um all around score that was it yeah which is for a goalie, like you're for a goalie, that's really good. Yeah, yeah, for a goalie, like that's fantastic. Like, I moved off of um, the rankings page. Let me go back there. But like, basically, what you're saying with him is you're never going to end up below 35 or 60. So like, if they score, if they get a shutout, he's going to get you 
60 plus he's realistically right. going to get you like 70 plus. 70 yeah and if he doesn't if he concedes he's going to get you like 45 plus which is like if you're getting those results um that's fantastic yeah takawaka's l50 or l40 all around was 11.1 which is one of the best all-around scores like you compare that with like a guy that people love of langerak langerax is like 6.8 so like there's a significant all-around difference between them yeah no i think it uh that makes a ton of sense they definitely seem more reliable at least these the upper tier than mls up upper tier so what's your plan with asia this summer because in the past you've obviously been um yeah i'm just interested yeah i'm just not interested still I, like the i the reason i so basically what i'm doing is is that the better like last year i was using my better asia cards to in asia and it was just a mis mistake so i'll just use them in all-star now that's true because you did have a couple decent ones if i remember correctly i had a few yeah i mean i just like fell into them it, it wasn't like real sharp knowledge here yeah no i mean and to be fair that's a lot of time if you win like cards in global all-star like you could get japanese cards and like especially speaking in the summer you're very likely to get japanese korean or asian cards yeah. in general in gas all summer so like there's a lot of times like you win a kikuchi you don't need to sell it. you just run it right in your gas three yeah. lamp, four lamp and hey boom you have the best defender there um so i think there's lots of good th i'm i'm excited i am i will say i'm more excited about asian america coming back than i was about europe coming back oh, it's, no not even, it's not even as much of uh my teams are better in there because like i do have good teams elsewhere as well but for me I w I love waking up and checking sofa and seeing how my teams did. I know you're gonna say use server data for that, but I, I like just seeing like I like seeing like what the score is and I like seeing like, oh, they got a 7.8. That's probably good. Let's see how they generate it. I, that's how I like to look at it. Um, but also I like having entertainment all day. And currently speaking, the games end by 5 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. Like, so like by 5 p.m. Eastern, I have nothing else to do all day in terms of like watching it. So like being able to watch a, I really like waking up and looking through Asia and seeing how they did. Or sometimes like I wake up. You might be still early. on sometimes. I wake up really early on Saturdays. On Saturdays, I generally am up at like six because I have to do some work. So like there's times where I'll catch a Frontail or Marino's game or something. And I enjoy doing that. Also speaking, like I like having a, MLS game at 6 p.m. on a Saturday and an MLS game at like 9 p.m. on Yeah, Saturday. it's awesome. It's great. So like I'm I'm excited for that perspective of like it just encompasses the day a lot more. Yeah, it's it's like the peak time right now. Is yes. we all get excited. We have it all whenever we want soccer on, it's on. So yep. Steven, generally speaking, so the way that I would say the platform breaks down is that um champion Europe is greater than U23, which is greater than Global, which is greater than Challenger, which is greater than America, which is greater than Asia. So if you're playing cards in Asia, you're playing them at the lowest value you can play them at because you can only win Asian cards. Right. So like, and not to say like you can't win good cards, though. Like, you can still win Kikuchis, Sassinias, DeMaios, et cetera. But like, so like we just look through the Asian, uh, options there's no card worth more than 1.3 ETH in all of asia similar with america there's no card that you can win worth more than 1.2 so if you run your um, asian players in global you can win 
Holland, Lewandowski, Neymar, all those guys. So like generally speaking, the way I always look at my cards and my lineups is uh, there is a certain pecking order of value. And that's what I just gave was like that pecking order. So from, I'm not saying I won't do it. Like sometimes if I have a really strong Asian team and I have good options, like for example, like I have a full uh, front tail stack, a full stack. Like I have a full D5, D4 stack. I might run that in Asia D4 this week, despite poor options, because it just makes sense for me to run it there. Yeah. Um, or like, I might just be like, I think I have a really good shot at winning a tier zero in Asia, for example. So I'm going to be like, I'm going to run it there and try to win my one ETH card instead of throwing in gas where it's like, I'm probably not going to win. I'll probably finish like 40th for a tier two and I'll, I'll do it like that. But uh, I, the strategy definitely needs to be thought out of, of where you run your cars. And each week is a different opportunity. Like if there's a week where there's not much Asia going, uh, for example, this week, great, great example. Challenger Europe this week, there was like no games. There was the two Jupiler games, and then you have like the random Celtic and uh, cards from like Scotland. That was it. So I won Glebov, the super rare, in Division Two Challenger with like a super pedestrian score of like 290 points. But like I ran it there instead of Global because there was a pretty good chance I could actually compete there. Whereas in like global, I couldn't compete. So like, there's going to be weeks where you look and you're like, man, I can't really compete with this lineup here, but I might be able to compete with it in, in Asia. And then you'll run in Asia. So definitely uh, it, de it depends how you look at it from that perspective. Yeah. I think it's just a, getting you, as long as you have the flexibility to, you know, the all-star gives us flexibility of using our Asia or whatever region cards there also. So it's just uh yeah. yeah like your stuff. your gill, my expectation my expectation is that um your gill you would expect to run it hundred percent of the time in global. However, the reality is you'll probably run it 75% of the time in global, and then you might run it some of the time in America because it makes more sense that week to run it in America. Yeah, I think that's that sounds about right. Yeah. And like I did it last season, like I won uh some d2s because like i had gill super rare and like i just plopped gill super rare in division two america and nobody ran their gill super rare in, right. in division two america and you would just rip off 100 and i'd have them in a cap and boom 150 points i'm gonna win a reward there so like there's definitely some times where you're just like hey i want to win a reward over i want to try to win the best reward uh because it, they're all worth something so like if i can guarantee myself that i'm gonna win a 0.3 eth card that might be better than like a 10% chance of winning a one ETH card. Uh, and you just have to decide each week what makes the most sense for you at that given week. Right. You use Gil to try to win Gil. Exactly. You did. That's exactly what you tried to do. You try win Gil to try to win Gil. Yeah. How many Gills? All right. So here's a question. How many Gills or Sassinias would you have? In, hypothetically speaking, tomorrow you win Gil Rare. Are you selling it or are you holding it? I probably hold it. Okay, that's that's my point too. Okay, so next question: You win another Gill Rare after that. What are you doing? Selling or, or holding? It's like a third one. Yes. I think I sell it, but I could definitely keep it to play that's it in. You know, so I'm basically playing. Yeah, you know what? I probably keep it and play play one each in both in All Star and America D three and then D four. Bingo. That's what I would do. I would probably hold a second, sell a third, 
for that exact reason. I would try to make sure my D3s are yeah. and both run a gill in the event that it makes sense for me to do so. And if not, I could run them in D4. Um, I sell the third one for Cecenia. Yeah. And there's very few cards I would do this with. There's like, sure. um, and, and they have to basically smash and be like a certain card. Like I did that with the pie, which I now actually though, I would sell the pie. Um, if his value, I'm not going to sell him until his value goes back up. But like, I think Gil's a card I would do that with. I think Cecenia is a card I would do that with. There's some like Holland and Bape types I would probably consider. The issue is though is I'd probably sell the second one of that to get um to to get some ETH back in and, and redistribute. But like there are cards like Gil, like Gil rare at one ETH. Let's say it's one ETH. I can't get another card worth that does what he does for one ETH. No way. So like knowing I have him, especially at the fact that like I can run him for four months of the year when all of Europe runs too. And the fact that he's better than everyone else, like Gil's better than, than Cruz. Like he is like, I would play. Gil I, don't think Cruz. I don't think he's that good. I think it's he close, is. but I'm not sure they're Gil's L40 is 72. Is Cruz over 72? He might be. Cruz L Cruz is the same player. They are effectively the same player. I can't get a cruise for under what four, three and a half ETH right now, probably. Yeah, so three and a half ETH. So, so I can play Gill in America and challenge or and ch thing is, I cannot even sniff replicating Gill from anybody at a realistic price point. I do think that's correct. Validity at his age, too. Like, I think Gill really likes America from what I can tell, and I think he's going to stay in MLS for for a while if he stays on the revolution for three years i know we don't we talk about not wanting to look too far in the future but like if gill's on the revolution for three years like yeah one of the most valuable cards on the platform to me because all everyone else is like subject to move and get screwed or not be as good like if he just plants his ass on the revolution for three years you're just gonna there, for a few yeah years. and it's obviously the case now but the expectation is they stay good like they have Champions League, CONCACAF Champions League. They Now you have midweek utility. So now you can use skill the same, well, I don't know if it's the same times, if they match up, but like theoretically midweeks when Real Madrid's playing Champions League and everybody has Tony Cruz, you have the guy who happens to average more over 40 games. It is next week. Like I can run Carlos, yeah. I can run Carlos Gill. I, there's a really good chance next week I run a Carlos Gill super rare in Division Three All-Star with Cruz and Lewandowski and a defender that's good yeah, that's a super rare and then goalie who, who gives a shit because it's goalie um but like that's a really good that's line. pretty good yeah yeah like that no literally going into the week nobody has a better forward than me no one has a better midfielder than me no one has a better second midfielder than me so like going into the week i have the best possible line that anyone could realistically run um and play within reason obviously but now that said like there is also, I don't know who Madrid and Bayern play um, in the yeah, mid-season. Yeah. That's, that yeah, so like, so Madrid plays uh, PSG. That's obviously a much worse matchup than Hatafe. Um, and Bayern plays Salzburg. That's actually a good matchup for them. All. So like, yeah, so like next week, midweek, right? So like I have Gil plays Gil. some Haitian team. Oh, yeah, Gil plays a Haitian team where they're just going to probably knock on wood just plow them. so like yeah like looking at next week i can probably tell you with certainty 
I'm going to run Gil Super Rare. And the only reason I'm going to do that is so that I can also run a, the the Cruise Rare because I'm not yeah. going to run a bunch of uh, rares and then be sort of screwed on the back end. So like, yeah, let me look at my my nice. lineup right now. I can tell you with, with pretty much certainty, I will most likely run next week in the midweek Gil Super Rare, Cruise Rare, Lewandowski Rare, Captain probably Lewandowski Rare over Cruise Rare. And then I will probably run a super rare defender. Yeah. That is probably relatively good. I'm looking to who this would be. I, so actually, what's what's funny, if I had this person, I would run their super, Mickey Imani. I don't have a super rare, though. I have his rare. But if I had his super rare, I would probably run a Mickey Imani super rare um, for that game week. And then I have a... Well, I have a Alexander Callens against a Haitian team or whatever they're playing. I think they're playing Costa Rican team. So, like, that's probably an okay matchup. I just don't have a great matchup next week, um, unfortunately for me. Um, that's all right. Goalie doesn't matter. No, I don't have a good defender matchup, which is unfortunate. Oh, defender, yeah. Yeah, but like, if I had a good defender matchup, like, I would, like, I might have to run like Callens in this lineup. So, like, these studs and then Callens. <laughs> Alexander Kyans and uh, Tony Cruz. I'm sure I have a goalie that's well. Maybe I could run a yeah. I'll run my Jan M Vogo super rare. Good luck with that. Yeah. Right. Uh, No, I'm sure I have a good short list. Let's see. Let's see. I have to have a rare goalie. Well, so the issue is, I guess I don't know who's going to play out of the Marseille guys because it could be either Mandanda or Lopez in Europa. Um, Let's see. I have Mandanda. Well, I have a Vandevort. I could just run Vandevort. Vandevort's a massive favorite, and his all-around is pretty good. Because hmm. they play yeah. Mecklen. And at 43 points. Yep. Hey, 43 points probably plays just fine with that line, to be fair. It does. It does. Um, all right. We've gone, wow, really long. But, um, yeah, so it feels like we rushed Asia a little bit there because we had so much to say about uh, MLS, but I feel like we preface that at the beginning. So uh, thank you to everybody who has joined us live and every, all the um, comments in the chat. We really appreciate it. If you guys wouldn't mind hitting the like button below on the video. If you're catching the replay, the like works for you as well. So feel free to hit it. If for some reason you have not subscribed to the channel, please do so. That would greatly, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can also uh, rate and review the podcast wherever you listen, uh, whether it's on Spotify or Apple or Google or wherever. Uh, rating and reviewing it is... Um, doing us a big favor. So thank you for those who have done it. And if you haven't, thank you in advance for doing it. We'll be back next week with um, some more strategy talk. Uh, If there's anything you'd like us to hit on specifically, you can contact me on Twitter at Andrew M. Laird. Sean is at PSUFans2. Also available in the SoRare Discord under those names. So uh, Sean, good luck on this game week and I'll talk to you next week.